Well, I will say this. Uh, Karen and I visited several churches while we were home, and some churches are prettier than us. But I don't think any church worships any deeper than us. And I can feel your worship as I hear the words coming off the music. And, and it's, it's just a profound joy to be back with you guys. Every once in a while, I have to preach John chapter 6, particularly this time of year. Some of you have heard me preach it once or twice, maybe three times. It's become a tradition with me uh, in June. I always need to go to John chapter 6. So this is for me, but unless I miss my guess, unless you're just super spiritual, which some of you may be, I don't know, um, you probably will learn some things from the Lord tonight. A couple years ago, a guy named Bruce Wilkinson wrote a book named The Prayer of Jabez. I'm sure Many of you have heard of this book, maybe even read this book. Um, he had a great illustration in that book. I never forgot it. I want to share it with you. He and his wife, Darlene, took their five-year-old boy, Bruce Jr., to the park. And he said it was a great park. It's one of those parks that makes you want to be a kid again. He said right in the middle of the park, there were three slides, small, medium, and ginormous, Right? So, little Bruce Jr., he runs to the small slide. Boom, down, down, down again, down again, down again, down again, over and over. Then he started to look at the medium slide, right? And he watched the big kids, the bigger kids, and they were doing it. And uh, he tried it. He went up the ladder, and he froze about halfway up. He went back down, and he went to the side, and he watched the big kids a little bit longer. He got his courage up, and he went up the ladder. Boom, down again, down again, down again, down again. Well, you know what he wants to do next, right? Someone tell me. He wants to go to the big slide. So he gets his courage up. He watches the kids, the older kids for a while. He gets his courage up, and he, and he starts up that ladder. And he gets a third of the way up, and he freezes. And he cries out, Daddy! Daddy! Come help me, Daddy! I can't do this by myself, Daddy! Come help me! And of course, Bruce Sr. had been watching his son all along. And Bruce Sr. comes to his son's aid. Bruce Jr. reminds me of someone. Does he remind you of anyone? He reminds me of me trying to walk with Christ in my own strength and in my own power. How about you? Can you relate? If you're really walking with Jesus, if you're radically obeying Him, you can relate to the, the, the analogy. You can relate. Jesus will always take His people to the big slide. He always takes His people to the big slide. The one they can't do in their own power and in their own strength. Eight years ago, the Lord called Karen and I to come to Milan and to replant a dead international church. I learned as we became affiliated uh, loosely with a, a European affiliation, I, I, I learned through their prayer letter that there are always 8 to 15 empty pulpits in Europe. 8 to 15 uh, international pulpits in Europe. And I always thought to myself, early on, I used to think to myself, why are those pulpits empty? How come there are not 100 guys lined up to get into those pulpits? Well, I know now. It's your fault. It's because all of you come, and then all of you go. And it's hard. 
It's hard for Karen and I. You know, you've seen a parade, right? You stand there still, and everybody goes by. That's what it's like to be the pastor of an international church. You stand, and everybody goes by. And this time of year in June, I always get parade fatigue. Because I already know the families that are leaving, either this summer or in the fall. And I personally always get parade fatigue this time of year. You come, you make Karen and I fall in love with you, and then you leave. So it's your fault that I'm preaching John chapter 6. Because I need to go to John chapter 6, and I need to be reminded what Jesus does with the seemingly impossible thing. I'm not blaming you. Maybe a little. We're fortunate we have, we have a handful of people now that, that actually live, live in this area and, and uh, Lord willing will be with us for a long time. But you come, you know, you're students, you're here to study, you're business people, you're famous basketball players, you're something like that, you know. And you look us up and you come and, and you worship with us and, 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 and you study with us and you're in awe of God with us and God changes you here. And we love that. And you, you roll up your sleeves, you go to work, and you serve this body. You give to this body. We love that. We love to watch God use you here in a mighty way. I tell you all the time, you're not here for your job. Principally, you're not here for your job. Principally, you're not here for school. God's brought you here to do His work if you call yourself a Christian tonight. That's principally why you're here. You're not here for anything less than that. You're not in Milan for anything less than that. We have a number of members who have gone on. I call them alumni. You, most of you will soon be alumni. And, you know, so most of you leave and you never call, you never write. But some of you do. And that's a treasure to us. We actually have some for, uh, former members of ICM who still contribute financially to this church and who pray for us uh, daily. And beloved, you have to have that when you're losing 50% of your people every year. You have to have that. So I'm exhorting you, don't forget about us when you leave. Don't forget about us. Continue to pray for us. Intercede for us. Call us. Write us. <laughs> because it is hard. It's, there's an emotional toe for Karen and I. You know, it's not that Karen and I live in a foreign culture. It's not that. That makes it hard. It's not that we're away from our parents and our children and our grandchildren and all our friends. It's not that. It's not that we deal with uh, astonishing diversity in this church. I love diversity. I don't know if I could ever go back to the States and just do a neighborhood church. I'm sure I could if the Lord called me to it, but I would miss worshiping Jesus with people from all over the world. I was sitting here praising the Lord with you people and I'm thinking, what a foretaste of heaven this is. I don't know how many nations we have in here tonight. We probably have at least 10 or 15 nations in here tonight. And I love worshiping with you. It's not that this project will always be a huge financial challenge. It's not that we're in the midst of intense spiritual darkness in Italy. It's that you come and you go. That's our big slide. 
That's Karen and my big slide. And about this time of year, it starts to get really hard. And I, you know, sometimes I, this time of year, the doubts creep into my mind. How can this, can, how can this be a, a viable church long term? How can, it, how can it be viable long term when you're losing 50% of your people every single year? That's what I need. John chapter 6. We need our Father's help to do this, obviously. We have no confidence in the congregation. We love the congregation, but we can't have any confidence in you. We, our security's not in you. You're out of here. Right? Our security's not in our budget. Our budget could be gone in months because you're out of here, right? So our security is in nothing but God alone. It has always been this way for us. It has always been this way. So I need to go to John chapter 6 and I need to watch my God do the impossible. And listen, beloved, if you're walking with Christ, I mean really, if you're not just a church member doing religion on Sunday, if you're really walking with Jesus, man, you're going to have to go to John chapter 6 frequently. You need to be reminded that your God does the impossible. You need to be reminded that He does the impossible because He always calls His people to the impossible. As one dead preacher says, God doesn't ever call His people to possible things. He's always going to take you to the big slide. Always. And you're going to have to say, Abba, Father, Daddy, come. I can't do this without you, Daddy. That's exactly where you're supposed to be as a Christian. Listen, man, if you can just roll out of bed and do it, you're no Christian at all. You're simply playing religion. But if you've got to call down the power of God to empower you to do what He's called you to do, then you're on the heels of Jesus Christ. Then you're on the heels of Jesus Christ. You're living like a son or daughter of the King. John chapter 6, I love it. I love it. We understand the, the preeminent lesson here. I know you all know it. You all learned it in Sunday school. If you went to Sunday school, you learned this. Jesus is the bread of life. He is our soul food. He fills the, he fills the heart of man, right? That's the metaphor. He is the bread of life. But there's some other awesome lessons here. There are some other awesome lessons here. And I want us to take a look at those, John chapter 6, Jesus feeds. Some scholars estimate up to 20,000 people with five biscuits and two fish. We understand the text says there are 5,000 men. But obviously there are women and children here too. And some scholars have estimated up to, you'll read all kinds of estimates. Uh, the highest one I've seen is 20,000. The one thing I want to make clear at the outset here before we get into the text is that in this, in this account, Jesus is showing Himself to be the Creator God. Amen? Jesus Christ is creating provision where there is none. He is the Creator God. We are created by Him. And someone tell me, if you don't know this, I'm going to resign. For Him, yes. I guess it's the most oft-repeated uh, text from this pulpit. We are created by Him and for Him, beloved. He is the Creator God. And He creates barley loaves from barley that has never grown. And he creates, he, he creates provision from fish that have never swam. He's the Creator God. He's the God who speaks 400 billion galaxies into existence effortlessly. 
It's the same power that He's using in this miracle. It's the same power He brings to bear in your life. I don't care what your problem is. I don't care what your dilemma is. I don't care what your concern is tonight. The Creator God's power is big enough for you. Jesus is the answer, right? If we don't learn anything from this text, Jesus is the answer. That's what Philip and Andrew and the other twelve are going to discover tonight as well as, as, well as you and I as we look at this, this great, great text. John chapter 6, we learn from the other Gospels that Jesus just wants to get away. He's tired. The disciples have just gotten back from their first preaching tour. He's just heard that John the Baptist has been beheaded. He just simply wants to get away with his men. But the, the multitudes continue to press. The multitudes continue to press. And Matthew tells us, Jesus felt compassion for them. The other Gospels actually tell us that Jesus looks at the, the twelve and He says, you give them something to eat. That's not in the John account. That's not in the John account, but we see that tonight. Verse 5, verse 5, Jesus turns to Philip and He says, where are we to buy bread for these? There's something beautiful about that, about that sentence. What does Jesus say? We. Where are we going to get the bread? God doesn't need us. We're a small issue to anything that God does. And yet He includes us in everything that He does. He, 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 he catches His people up into His great enterprise, which is to redeem a people for Himself for the glory of His Son. And we're caught up in that. He doesn't need us, but He includes us. And I just love this text. Where are we going to get the bread? What does Philip say? It doesn't look good, Lord. 200 denarii won't be enough. Eight months' wages won't get it done. Was that the answer Jesus was looking for? <laughs> what was Philip supposed to say? You. You're the bread. You're the bread. Philip. Philip doesn't get the right answer. Did you notice? Jesus asked one question, where are we going to get the bread? Philip answers a different question down in verse 7. He says, how much is it going to cost? God didn't say how much is it going to cost. God said, where are we going to get it? And obviously Jesus is the answer. Philip's just like me. He may be just like you. God brings us to the impossible thing and we start crunching the numbers, right? We start analyzing. We start looking in the mirror. We start assessing our abilities or lack thereof. We say, well, this is not possible. I don't have the ability to accomplish this. Listen, beloved, when God comes to you, He doesn't expect you to be looking in the mirror. You're supposed to be looking at Him. Philip's crunching the numbers. He's... He's analyzed it. It doesn't look good, Philip says. It doesn't look good at all, Jesus. This is impossible. Basically is what Philip is saying. What does verse 6 say? Why is Jesus asking Philip this question? Someone tell me from the text. Why is Jesus doing this? To test Philip. And to test the other eleven. What's the right answer? Jesus. 
Jesus is the right answer. Jesus is the right answer. Beloved, they'll always, if you call yourself a Christian tonight, you will, your faith will be tested. God tests the faith of every one of His children. He does this. He always does this. He perpetually does this. You should always be bumping up against the impossible. If you're really walking with Jesus Christ, if you're merely religious, you can come to church and be comfortable and go home. But if you're really walking with Christ, you're always going to be bumping up against the impossible. You're always going to be on the big slide and you're always going to have to say, Abba Father, help me, Daddy. I can't do this on my own, Daddy. You're calling me to a thing I can't do on my own. And God will always say, of course I am. I always call my children to the impossible. This is God's formula. He calls pathetic sinners to do impossible things they cannot do, then He shows up and does them. It's the pattern of the Bible. Just read the Bible. <laughs> Just read the Bible. He told Moses to go get two million Hebrews and He gave him a stick. And Moses had to stand in front of Pharaoh with a stick. It was impossible. <laughs> it was impossible. God did it. God did it. And you know my, one of my favorite stories, Gideon. God made Gideon take 300 guys and go face a multitude. All they had was a pitcher and a, a torch and a trumpet and a team cheer. That's all they had. It was impossible. They were outnumbered 450 to 1. God said, go do it. Gideon said, we can't. God says, I'm with you. You remember Jehoshaphat. I love that text. Second Chronicles chapter 20, Jehoshaphat, you know. And, the, and a horde was coming against them. And King Jehoshaphat said, Lord, we can't, we can't face this horde. I don't know what we're going to do. Remember what God said? God said, this is not your fight. It is my fight. You go face the horde. And you watch what I do. You remember what happened? They went out and they faced the horde. And all they did was sing. The choir was out front. Right? That's all they did. You guys would have been out front. Right? They were just out there praising God. God routed the enemy. Remember, they're three days spoils. Three days spoil. Beloved, God always causes people to the impossible. And if you're walking with Christ, He's calling you to that too. He's calling you to that as well. I love when God calls me to the impossible because I know what's going to happen. I say this to you all the time. It's a God encounter, right? God comes. God comes. Just as Bruce Sr. came to Bruce Jr., it's a God encounter. If you'll dare to obey the Lord radically, sacrificially, selflessly, if, you're, if you dare to obey Him like this, your life will be full of God encounters. God will be coming to you all the time. God will be showing up in your life. I love what John MacArthur says about this. He says, we tend to assign our own feebleness to God. God calls us to a hard thing and what's the first thing we do? I can't do it, Lord. I don't have the ability to do it. Of course you don't have the ability to do it. Or He wouldn't be calling you to it. He has the ability to do it. That's why He's calling you to it. It's called, someone tell me, Hebrews 11.6. It's called what? Faith. <laughs> It's always about faith. Do you believe He's a promise keeper? Do you believe He'll show up? Of course He's going to call you to the impossible thing. And beloved, the impossible thing's addicting. It's addicting. If you ever go with Christ, if you ever do the hard thing with Jesus, 
And I've got a lot to learn. I'm not standing up here saying, I've, I've arrived. I have not arrived. I've got miles to go with God. But I want to tell you, if you put yourself out there, you put it all on the line, you can trust God to show up. If you're in obedience, you're following the Lord, you're doing what you know He's told you to do, you can be fearless, you can be bold. As I like to say, you can be Batman. You can be a spiritual Batman. I forgot to tell you the end of the story. Bruce Jr. runs. Pardon me, Bruce Sr. runs to Bruce Jr. He, he scoops him up. They go up the ladder. They get on top of that slide. He puts his boy between his legs and boom, they go down that slide. And here's my favorite part, laughing all the way. Listen, don't you think it was a rush for Moses when God through Moses crushed Egypt? Don't you think it was a rush for Gideon and those guys? Don't you think it was a rush to watch God crush the enemy? Don't you think they were full of joy, Jehoshaphat and his people, as they watched God do, uh, fight their fight? Beloved, this is always God's formula. God causes people to hard stuff. They can't do it. God does it. He gets the glory. And someone tell me, if you don't, I'm going to resign. And we get the what? Huh? Joy. He gets the glory. We get the joy. This is the way it is all the way through the Bible. God gets the glory. It's not our glory. All we did was show up. God brought all the power. All we did was show up. We get no glory, but we get joy. We're like, we're like Bruce Jr. <laughs> laughing all the way down the big slide. Laughing all the way down. And that's, what, that's what's going to happen to Philip and, and Andrew and, and the other disciples. They're going to get more than a full stomach. By the time this day is over, they're going to be full of joy. Their awesome God has done what no one else can do. Their great Messiah has put His power on display. And they are full of joy. They are so happy that they've hitched their wagon to this awesome, awesome God. And when it's time for you to leave ICM, we understand, Karen and I, we understand it's for God's glory and, our, and your joy. And we know that there's going to be joy in there somewhere for us. <laughs> we can't begin to articulate that. But you know, when you're a Christian, when you're a Christian, you know, sometimes you're going to cry, right? Sometimes you're going to cry. Doesn't mean we're not full of joy and, it, and in expectation of what God's going to do and bring joy to us, but sometimes we cry. Sometimes. We cry. It makes me think of that Twyla Paris song, Do I Trust You, Lord? Does anybody know this song? Do I Trust You, Lord? I love this song. She has that great line in there where she says, I will believe you even if I must cry. Amen? I will believe you even if I must cry. Even if I'm being sawn in two, I will believe you. Hebrews chapter 11. So we looked at that great chapter a couple years ago and I think we're going to be back in it soon. Back to Philip. He's about to have one of the most thrilling days of his life. He's going to watch his God do a God thing. Philip said, verse 7, Philip said, Lord, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient uh, for them for everyone to receive a little. 
One of his disciples, uh, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, "There's a there's a boy here. He's got five barley loaves and two fish. But what are these for so many people?" Philip does the math. He says it's impossible. He looks at the crowd. He says it's impossible. Andrew looks at the provision and he says it's impossible. There's no way this can work. Lord, we're in trouble here. Philip says it's going to take. Too much, Andrew says. We have too little. It reminds me of the International Church of Milan all the time. <laughs> all the time. All the time. They both got the wrong answer, didn't they? They're still looking in the mirror. They're still assigning their feebleness to God. Someone tell me, what's the answer? Jesus is the Jesus is the answer in your life. I don't, again, I don't know what your problem is. But if it's a real problem, I'm not talking about those of vanity and pride. I'm talking about if it's a real problem. Jesus knows what to do with impossible problems. Jesus knows exactly what to do with the Impossible. So Christian, I want to say to you, if you're stuck on the small slide, if you're stuck on the small slide, I'm going to exhort you tonight to get off of it. If your Christianity has devolved into some kind of manageable, easy, careful thing, I exhort you as I always do, that's not Christianity at all. God's called us to something infinitely larger and more important. Than that. And Jesus is saying in this passage, I can handle any impossible situation you come across. I'm God. I do all that I please. I do all my good pleasure. I am able. I am sufficient. I am faithful. If you ever step out with God, you're going to learn all that stuff. Many of you already may be able to confess this. You're radically walking with Jesus. And you can confess this. This is true of you. You own this. I know He can do the impossible. He has done it in my life. He has done it in my life. But beloved, I want to say to you, if you're, you know, if you're fixated on the obstacle, you're always going to be afraid. You're always going to shrink back. You're always going to stay on the small slide. Do not look at the problem. You look at Jesus. And you just keep praying down the power and enabling of Christ. You were not redeemed for the small slide, beloved. You're not redeemed for that. <laughs> you were redeemed for the big slide where you have to cry out, Abba, Father. I cannot do this. I cannot do this on my own. Philip says it's impossible. It will take too much. Wrong. Jesus is God. Any amens? Amen. Andrew says it's impossible. We have too little. Wrong. Jesus is God. Amen. Wrong, Jim Albright. Don't worry about losing 50% of your people. Don't worry about Wrong, Jim Albright. Don't look at that. Look at me. Jesus says. Same thing in your, in your life. Don't look at the problem and wring your hands. You look to Christ. Amen? We look to Jesus. He's God. And He does all His good pleasure in the life of His people. You've got to love this little kid. Who doesn't love this little kid, right? It's a joke. It's a joke. He's got five biscuits and two fish. Is it a joke? 
Of course it's a joke! Until he gives it to God. <laughs> right? This is what we see all the time. It's what we see all the time. It is a joke! Until you give it to God. And he just does stuff. He just does God's stuff. Nobody else can do the kind of stuff he does. He does God's stuff. Right? This little kid, he just brings... It's a joke. <laughs> it's never a joke in the hands of Jesus. It's not a joke in the hands of Jesus. God's always worked this way. Pathetic sinners who will trust Him with all that they have. And God does mighty things with pathetic sinners who will just give Him what they have. It's an awesome thing. Our God is an awesome God. Sometimes I sit behind my desk and I crunch the numbers on ICM and, and I think long term it's impossible. <laughs> We're a pathetic little operation, but then I think 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Remember what Paul said? <laughs> Paul said, man, there's not many, not many mighty, not many wise, not many noble. And I think, I think in the eyes of the world what a pathetic little operation we are. But then I think, man, we're, we are uniquely qualified to be as mightily of God. We have nothing to boast about here, do we? I don't have anything to boast about. We're nothing in the eyes of the world. We're a joke. But I want to tell you, beloved, if we just give it to God, we can expect mighty things to happen here. Mighty things have happened here. People have been converted here. Lives have been turned upside down here. Eternities have been turned upside down here. Eternities have been changed here. God does beautiful things when His people will simply obey Him. Look at verse 10. Jesus says, have the people sit down. Don't you love it? Have the people sit down. And I'm thinking, what, what's Philip thinking? Oops! Wrong answer! I, I, think, I think Andrew's thinking, Oops! Wrong answer. It's going to be one of those water-to-wine things again. I should have known it. I'm supposed to know this answer. You're supposed to know this answer. You're supposed to know this answer when the hard thing comes, when the impossible thing comes. You're supposed to know this answer. Jesus, I don't know how You're going to do it, but I know You can do it. Because You're the God. You're the great Creator God with the power to create 400 billion galaxies. You know, I used to say 50 billion galaxies, but I just keep reading science. And they just keep finding more galaxies. <laughs> they can't find the end of them. So now I get to say 400 billion. 400 billion galaxies. Did you notice one thing I want to say to you, and if you've read the other Gospel accounts, you understand this. While the faith of the disciples, it's weak, it's a weak faith at the outset, but they obey Jesus. If you read the other Gospels, it, it, it clearly says that, that Jesus did the miracle. He brought all the power, but He fed the multitude through the hands of His disciples. So they obeyed. You know, so it's a good lesson for us here. You know, when you're shaking in your boots, just obey. You know, when you're, when you're trembling a little bit and th the thing God's called you to do is bigger than you can imagine. You just do the small thing. Just obey in the small thing in front of you. Just do the small thing. Next thing you know, you're going to be going down the big slide laughing all the way. Because God will take that small thing and do a great thing through it. 
So He used His disciples. He did the miracle through His disciples. Beloved, He doesn't need us, but He uses us. I love that. I absolutely love that. Philip looked at the crowd and said it was impossible. Andrew had looked at the loaves and said it was impossible. Then Jesus fed 5, 10, 15, 20,000 people with five biscuits and two fish. Look at verse 11 through 13. 20,000. Let's just use that number. 20,000 people there. Verse 11, they had as much as they wanted. Verse 12, they were filled. Oh, verse 13, there were 12 baskets of leftovers. What's that about? Why are there leftovers? It was a joke. But Jesus got the punchline. He wants His 12 guys walking, hauling away a basket full of leftovers. He doesn't want them to ever forget that He knows exactly what to do with the impossible. Beloved, I don't want you to ever forget that your God, your Messiah, your Savior knows exactly what to do with the impossible. Can you imagine 12 baskets, 12 baskets of leftover, leftovers? So every year about this time, I get parade fatigue. I know that half of you are leaving. And uh, yeah, sometimes I crunch the numbers and. I think, Lord, you know, I don't know if I don't know if I have the emotional stamina to continue to do this. And uh, but every year about this time, Jesus looks at me and he says, "Jim, <laughs> how are we going to keep that little church going? Jim, how are we going to help plant an Italian-speaking church? Jim, how are we going to lease some space and?" refurbish it and make the payment. How are we going to do this? The Lord looks to me and He says, Jim, how are we going to do it? I say, Lord, I have no idea how you're going to do it. But then I borrow Ezekiel's confession. Thou knowest, Lord. Thou knowest. All I have to do is obey. That's all I have to do. All I have to do is show up. Beloved, all you have to do is show up. That's all. God does everything else. You show up as a Christian. You show up as a fearless, bold man or woman of faith. You just show up. God will do everything else. God will do everything else. So my perennial, a recurrent test of trust, Karen and, and, and mine, is that we lose you guys. And so we must fall on God. We must... Always fall on God. We have no confidence but God. But we know that God delights in faith. Hebrews 11.6 Without faith it is impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must not only believe that He is, must believe that He is a rewarder of those who seek Him. Let me ask you, are you living that? You know, I've told you this many, many times, but I think I'm, it's something I can't say enough. Most Christians will say they believe in God, they acknowledge God is there, but they don't actually live like He's a promise keeper. Like He's a rewarder. God says, I delight in those who not only believe that I am, but they believe I'm a promise keeper. You can see it in their lives. Jim, why are you living like that? 
Well, my God's a promise keeper. That's the only answer I have. Because it certainly doesn't add up on paper. You know, people ought to be seeing that in your life. They ought to be seeing it in our life, beloved. So I'm going to close with... You remember, you remember the test that, that, that God gave to Abraham? Genesis chapter 22. You remember the great test? And actually, the, the text does say that God was testing him with Isaac. You remember what happened? Anyone remember? As Abraham was obeying the Lord, there was a ram in the bush. There's always a ram in the bush. Don't you love it? <laughs> Just when you think it's going to be a train wreck, there's a ram in the bush. And, and, and Abraham named the Lord Jehovah Jireh. What does it mean? God will provide. And I love the Hebrew. One scholar translates it, God says, I'll see to it. He's the I will see to it God. That's what he's trying to teach Philip and Andrew and you and me. I'm the I see, I'm the I will see to it God. John chapter 6. I'll see to it. Philip, where are we going to get the bread? I'll see to it. Look to me. Look to me. Look to me. I'll see to it. Beloved, if you'll go with God like this, like Abraham, Moses, Gideon, Jehoshaphat, and countless others in Scripture and down through the history of the church, if you will do it, if you will, if you will go with God in this way, you'll be laughing all the way down the big slide. I'm not saying it's not going to be hard sometimes. I'm not saying you're not going to cry. I'm not, going to, I'm not saying you're not going to mourn. I'm not saying we're not exempt from any of those things. But I'm saying ultimately you'll be laughing down the big slide. Jehovah Jireh will see to it for His glory and for your joy. Who believes it? Does anyone in here believe it? If you believe it, I challenge you to go live it. Let your life be a testimony that your God can do the impossible. He's a faithful God. A good God. An omnipotent God. He keeps His Word. God knows what to do with the impossible. So beloved, guess what? He expects us to do the impossible. <laughs> because He knows what to do with it. You know, He actually expects. He actually expects His, men, his, his children, His sons and daughters, you know, to get out of the boat. He actually expects His children to get out of the boat, right? Walk on the water. He expects that because He's God. He expects His people to step in front of giants, right? Like David did. Just step in front of the giant. You can do it. Not because you are who you are. <laughs> and not because I am who I am. Because He is who He is. He really is who He says He is. And He really does what He says He can do. So I exhort you, beloved, I exhort you. Let's pray. Awesome God, we thank You for this great text. We thank You for this great text. There is no God like You. Thank You, Father that the impossible means nothing to You. That word is not even in Your vocabulary. It doesn't mean anything to You. You are the great Creator God. You possess the power that effortlessly speaks 400 billion galaxies into existence. Father, forgive us when we tremble at obedience. Forgive us when we shrink back at obedience. Lord, You've given us all that we need. And You are certainly God enough to obey and to trust. So Father, 
we pray, and I pray for myself. Help us to be fearless and bold, Lord. We want to we live John chapter 6. We want to live like our God is great and our God is good and our God is a promise keeper. Help us, great God. Forgive us when we fail. Forgive us, Lord. I pray that we would be focused and fixated on Christ. Always focused and fixated on Christ. We don't look at the problem and wring our hands. We look at Jesus. We just look at Jesus. He does the impossible. He does the inexplicable. He does the miraculous. We give all praise, glory, and honor to His name. Amen. Can everybody be stand up? We're going to sing. Clap your hands. Keep your hands. Keep your Got it. Yeah.